Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Brainwaves. Hear the world differently. Bringing community mental health to you, raising awareness and challenging stigma. Tune in to 3CR Community Radio, Wednesdays at 5pm. Melbourne's Drive Time Radio Program, featuring community organisations, powerful stories and information. Find us at brainwaves.org.au. Proudly sponsored by Wellways Australia. Welcome to Brainwaves on 3CR 855 AM, 3CR Digital Radio and 3cr.org.au. My name is Kaylin, and today from the Brainwaves team we have Susie who will be speaking with Sally. Now before we get started I'd just like to begin by acknowledging and paying my respects to the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. They are the traditional custodians of the land in which I'm coming to you from today, land where we tell our stories here at Brainwaves and land where stories have been told by the traditional owners for many years before us. Um, we would also like to pay our respects to their elders past and present and acknowledge all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders who may be listening in today. Thank you, Kaylin. My name is Susie and today we are thrilled to be following up on our highly popular interview with Sally from late 2019. We replayed it last week as well to give context to today's chat. Sally is a teacher, artist, human rights, mental health, environmental and social justice activist. Our original conversation was about Sally's personal experience of living with bipolar and regular suicide ideation. Also her tragic loss of a beloved brother, as well as a very good friend to suicide. Sally's resilience and strategies to deal with these issues were explored. Please note that some of today's subject matter may be triggering for some listeners and support can be found by contacting Lifeline on 131114, Suicide Callback Service on 1300 659 467, as well as Beyond Blue on 1300 224636. A lot has happened in Sally's life since we last spoke and I'm very excited to discuss this. Hello, Sally, and welcome back to Brainwaves. Hello, thank you for having me again. I really appreciate it. Sally, I understand you now have your own business, working in creative and hypnotherapy to assist other people who are suffering mental health problems. And there are more people like this than ever due to the pandemic, of course. Can you tell us what happened to move you towards this, please? Yeah, absolutely. Um, So... In, uh, since the last interview, um, I had two family members of mine who became quite ill and I became their carer. And then the pandemic hit and I yeah. just moved house as the pandemic hit um, and moved in with these two family members. Um, and I had to quit my job because they're vulnerable and I needed to protect them. So that situation brought up a lot of stuff for me. All of a sudden I was um, not working and in a different house and in a different dynamic Um, and I just found that, um, yeah, I couldn't cope initially. I had what I could call a breakdown. Um, Suddenly my post-traumatic stress disorder that I had just reared its head and I felt like I was faced with a whole lifetime of everything that I'd been through and um, I wasn't able to go to Melbourne anymore, to, which was kind of my refuge, to see my friends and to, you know, do stuff. So 
I'm also living in a very isolated regional area. So I just felt like I was stuck in my head and all of these things kind of got really big. And I found myself having a lot of ruminating thoughts, a lot of negative self-talk. Um, and I just knew that I had to do something. I knew that something had to change. Um, I spent a lot of time in my bedroom just going around and around in circles. Um, and I think one of those things about not being able to go out and going to work and things like that, those were the things that kind of helped me with my self-esteem. And so when that was kind of not taken away, but I guess I had to leave because of the pandemic, um, yeah, I was confronted with that feeling of now it's just me and I'm, I have to look after these people and, you know, I don't have my support networks around me and I can't access them. So I went on a bit of a journey of my own. I did some art therapy with a DBT practitioner, dialectical behaviour therapy. I did some weekly weekly counselling with the Women's Centre um, and I had a psychologist for a brief period of time and I did a little bit of coaching with a woman online. So I just worked really hard for quite a few months just facing everything that I'd been through. But I really felt like there was something underneath that that my um, the thoughts were going around in circles and I needed to do something. Um, so I started to do some a meditation course and then that led me to looking at more at my thoughts and how I could transform them. And that's when I discovered, reignited, I guess, my interest in hypnotherapy. And I saw a course, I got my tax return and I just signed up um, because it's trauma-based therapy, this type of hypnotherapy. And I just knew that I needed to heal my my wounds, really, my yes. long-standing wounds that were running the show behind the scenes. And so that's how I started to get into it was to do my own healing and then through that then you know I got really well and decided that I wanted to be there for other people and that so I started yeah. my business. Yeah so you were very proactive um, you obviously mm. had a lot of insight and so you underwent a lot of different therapies and then it pushed you um, to set up your own business. And, of course, with that, um, um, with setting up your own business, it wasn't just about doing the studies, graduating in hypnotherapy. It's all the other stuff, the admin, the marketing and all the other hurdles that are involved in setting up a business and a website, all the rest of it. Um, so it's rather a, a remarkable achievement and very proactive, which you, you always have been. Um, Sally, I understand that using creativity is a main focus of how you personally have engaged in self-care and it is now intrinsic to your work. What types of creativity do you use? So one of my main forms of creativity is dancing and making visual artworks. So when the pandemic started, I started to do a lot of dancing and I started a weekly online dance group on Zoom. So we're yes. still going actually. That's we're fantastic. For a year and a half now. Yeah. Yeah. So every week we pick a different theme and then we all put music onto a playlist and we dance for an hour together on Zoom and we sometimes we dress up in costumes and, yeah, it's, it's about releasing all of that, you know, emotional stuff that's in the body because yeah. I've always focused a lot on the mind um, but I realise that there's a lot of stuff in the body and that movement, you know, really helps to release and to express. So dancing is something that I do every day now. Um, yeah. Even if it's just for five minutes, I'll put a song on and dance around the lounge room um, and creative creative arts whether it be drawing or painting or collage making stuff with plants whatever any way I can get into my body and express myself in that creative way um, and that's what I do with my clients as well I ask them what creative practices 
they would like to incorporate into the therapy so that it's it's about the non-verbal communication and expression as well so yes. I really value that that people don't just have to come and talk that they can express themselves in different ways and I have people come and and they write a letter to me to tell me what's going on for them and they send it to me rather than telling me what's happening for them yeah. some people draw a picture um really value that that kind of creativity therapy coupled together when I was doing placement on a mental health unit, a private mental health unit, I did participate in some of the um, therapies, one of which was um, art therapy. And it was really fascinating to me um, to see how people express themselves. It really helped me to understand, for example, people with depression, how deeply they were suffering just by looking at what they produced. And I actually made in one session a small clay book about the size of a matchbox. And I'd put some letters on it, which were very significant at the time. And I kept it for years and I can't remember what it was all about. But, yeah, it was obviously something significant. But I was giving myself a clue by putting these letters on it. And now I don't know what it all meant. But um, just a bit of humour there. But um, Well, I guess too, it also the subconscious mind, you know, and I guess that's the thing with art, you know, it's when you get into that flow, which is very similar to hypnotherapy, when you get into a flow, your subconscious mind, you know, um, brings out your emotions and your feelings um, on the page or in whatever way without you consciously controlling it. And so you can kind of look back and go, oh, I don't know what that was. Yes. At that time, you were in a certain flow and That's your subconscious right. was driving the show. Yeah. yeah, I can relate to that quite yeah. a lot. But mm. it's one of life's mysteries that I'd like to uncover. What was it all about? Um, you mm. also do um, storytelling, don't you? So hypnotherapy has, there's lots of different types of ways to do hypnotherapy and I'm really drawn to the storytelling style. So um, I guess humans are creative beings and we live our life through stories and we understand each other's lives through stories so um, I use a lot of metaphor metaphors in storytelling uh, throughout hypnosis uh, to help people to make that connection to their own lives and to to shift their thinking and to shift their behavior yeah yes it sounds fascinating when you're talking about the types of hypnotherapy um, so you like using storytelling as part of it what other types are there well, there's also direct suggestions um, where you can make direct suggestions to someone um, in order to help them to shift their mindset. So um, I use I use a, a mixture of things. Sometimes I use storytelling and sometimes I use direct suggestions, um, but it's all positive and it's all gentle and it's, it's all about um, reprogramming your automatic thinking and making making more positive ways for your mind to go, making more positive pathways for your brain. Uh, and that I learned that through my own journey of the rumination and the negative thoughts, you know, just being trapped in that, you know, and feeling as if I didn't have any way out. So hypnotherapy is what helped me to get out of that and to create my own positive pathways. That's right. My own life and my thinking to help me to change that underlying thinking that I have about myself and the world. Yeah. Yeah, so, and it's, I think there's a lot of research being done into neuroplasticity and the ability to change your brain. Um, So that's amazing. You also use de-trauma techniques. What's that all about? Yeah, so I use de-trauma technique, which is a trademarked technique from uh, Hypnotherapy Training Australia. And 
This technique is designed to remove the emotional charge underneath trauma. So as we know, with trauma, you have these emotional triggers and reactions to things that have happened to you. Um, and so when you can remove that emotional trigger and that emotional charge, you're able to address the trauma and the, the event or the processing that has followed the event without having that triggered emotional response. And that enables the person to work through whatever it is that they're dealing with without having those big emotional outbursts and upsets. And so I've done quite a lot of this work on myself and um, I have had a massive improvement. I can say I don't have post-traumatic stress disorder anymore. I've been able to recover from that through using this technique. Um, yeah. So it's a, it's a program and it's something that I do quite regularly with people because I find it's super effective for people to be able to process and work through whatever they've experienced in life. Yeah, can you give us some sort of a, a more simplified example? Um, I guess it, because it's a trademark program, I have to be careful what I yeah. say about it. Um, but I guess it's it's a it's a gentle process of um, storytelling. There's an aspect of storytelling in it. There's an aspect of um, you know removing some of the emotional. Um, feelings from the body so recognizing that trauma is stored in the body as well as the mind and so we do a process of removing some of that you know those feelings those heavy feelings um, and then also just um, reprogramming the way that we think and feel about things that have happened to us so um, it's it's a single session for each kind of trauma that we've been through and when you go through that process then you're able to let go of that emotional charge quite significantly yeah, so it's say if you're triggered by something, which happens obviously mm. with um, PTSD, um, yeah. you then have a, a coping mechanism that, like a, a path to follow of, of thought processes or? Well, it sort of removes that charge. So, you know, after my brother died, I had quite significant um, triggers with the way that he passed away. Um, and I found driving in the car quite difficult because I would see things on the side of the road that reminded me of his death. And I would find myself crying uncontrollably and having these sort of images in my mind um, that I'd created around how he died. And it would be so traumatizing and upsetting for me that it got to the point where I didn't want to go out and go driving because I would get so upset when I see certain things. Um, and so when I, after I did this technique, then I was able to, um, to drive and not have that feeling anymore. You know, I didn't have that charge, that emotional trigger and that, you know, whole body experience where I start shaking and start crying mm. and all of a sudden I'm ruminating then, you know. Yes. So what happened after that was I just noticed like, oh, I'm not having that reaction anymore. That's interesting, you know, and it's mm. almost like, well, where did it go? I don't know where it went. It just disappeared, mm. you know. And so the thing about hypnotherapy and, and these um, these programs is they're very gentle. So it's not like fireworks goes off and, you know, something tells you like everything's mm. changed. All of a sudden you just notice these shifts like, oh, I'm not upset about that anymore. Mm. I'm, you know, I'm not reacting to that thing anymore. Mm. I'm not ruminating on that thing anymore. So it's like a, it's freeing you from those things. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's why I like it because it's really gentle and it's, it's something that you can just, you know, you relax and, you know, you just imagine and you create what it is that you want in your life. Yeah, some, I've, I've read that um, some treatments for PTSD involve reliving and really going back into the experience. Um, so this sounds 
a lot more gentle than that sort of technique um, for dealing with it. I know that you also engage in family therapy. Can you tell us a little bit about this, please? Yeah, so I guess the thing is, you know, there's a limit to what one person can do in terms of their own development when you're living in community with other people. There's those dynamics um, that you have. There's those intergenerational traumas. Um, there's things that happen that are miscommunicated and assumptions that are made. And and I really feel strongly that when you're in a family, when you're especially if you're living in the same space as people, that it's important for everybody to be working on the things that are important to them. And to be able to come together as a family and acknowledge that there are things in our, you know, lives that have happened, not just from our own life, but our parents and our grandparents. And there's these ways of thinking and believing and acting that have been passed down. And, you know, as much as we all try to do the best that we can for each other, sometimes there's mistakes made in that. And sometimes, you know, there's intergenerational trauma, which gets passed on without anyone intending that to happen. It just happens. And so I'm quite passionate about everybody in the family coming together and acknowledging some of those things that I guess we often don't talk about. And I've done this process in my own family um, and it's made a big difference to our ability to communicate and our ability to work through things that are going on now for us that are intrinsically connected to the past. So um, I like to, even when I work with young people, I like to work with the whole family first and we sit together with the whole family and we talk about whatever needs to be brought out onto the table in a really safe and gentle way so that everybody has an opportunity to say what they want to say and to deal with the things that we need to deal with so that we can complete them and move forward as a, as a you know unit that comes together, I suppose. So, yeah, it's something I really enjoy doing is working with the whole family. And also that gives an opportunity for people to express their perspective of events that have happened or mm. communication that's gone wrong and that sort of thing because people can see the same incident from a totally different point of view so it would give an opportunity for people to you know show their perspective yeah and express their needs you know if someone has a need that's not being met in the family it's a it's a safe way to say you know this is what's going on for me and this is what I need from my family to support me through this um rather than waiting and assuming like how come nobody's supporting me how come no one understands me you know yeah um it's an opportunity to say this is who I am and what I need and how I feel and and I'm there to, to help them to be able to express themselves safely and to be able to, you know, feel what they need to feel and let go of what they need to let go of. And, yeah, it's, it's a really important aspect of being in a family, I guess, is being able to work through stuff together. And I feel that, yeah, a lot of families can benefit from that. Yeah, and I guess with families, as in all sorts of social groups, but particularly families, you develop uh, ways of communicating which can be toxic or mm. just habit prone, how you engage and relate in a family. It just becomes mm. um, intrinsic, doesn't it? And you also feel each other's energy. I mean, it still happens in my family. We're not perfect, but, you know, we, sometimes we feel each other's frustrations and, yeah. you know, as an empath, that happens to me a lot. I feel what other people are feeling. I think it's my own feelings, but it's actually someone else's. And in the family, that's kind of even more because you're mm. so connected with each other that you you tune into each other and sometimes, you know, you react and then you go, oh, hang on, there's something else going on here. Yeah. So, you know, being able to recognise that, even though it's not about being perfect, it's about recognising it and saying, oh, okay, yeah. that's what's going on here and, you know, making amends when something doesn't work yeah. or when someone does make a mistake. You're just reminding me that I've um, had a, an argument that started just because of the way I blinked 
or the way I got up and turned a light off. Um, So because you know each other so intimately, you can read um, anything and you're usually right too. (laughs) Oh, yeah, Yeah. definitely. With my sister, I could feel like I don't even have to look at her. I could feel across the room when she's upset. And yes, I think sometimes she finds it annoying because it's like she doesn't want to talk about it. But I'm like, what's going on? I can feel something. It's kind of she's almost like I can see her thinking, I wish she didn't feel what I was feeling. (laughs) This is annoying. (laughs) I watched actually a, a show, Insight, on SBS the other night and it was absolutely fascinating. If, if you get a chance to watch it do, it, it's about intuition and it was putting forward the theory. There were some incredible stories about how people's intuition saved their life and things like that. Um, and the theory was put forward that um, your intuition is actually your brain is, as you're sat in that room right now, there's possibly a window with trees outside there's um, a light on there's birds in the background but you're not particularly focusing on that but your brain is aware of it so your intuition is you've subconsciously picked something up Um, but um, Mm. it's a really fascinating show if you do get a chance to watch it I found it riveting absolutely absolutely riveting yeah Mm. so I'd just like to know um, because you have um, been through such a lot yourself how do you find that your lived experience assists you in assisting your clients and I guess one of the main things is that I've been in therapy since I was 16 years old so I have a very good understanding of how different therapies work and different therapists and um, in that I have my own kind of analysis of you know what helps and what sometimes hinders um, also recognizing everybody's different so this is just my kind of path on that um so yeah in that I guess my the way that I treat people is that I treat them as a peer you know I treat them as someone who's like me um they're going through the same struggles that I've been through or you know perhaps different ones but I still understand the struggle and um I guess in that it helps me to to develop I guess a really gentle approach and an understanding that it takes a lot to actually go and get therapy. It takes a lot to say and to express how you're feeling and to have that honesty. And so I have a lot of empathy for people because of my own experience um, and I can relate. I find that when I'm with someone, I feel like I just want to say, yes, I know exactly what you're experiencing. I totally understand that feeling. And even if it's not exactly as they feel, I feel it. You know, I do feel a connection with each of the people I work with because of my own experience. So um, yeah, I think it, it gives a different perspective compared to someone who perhaps doesn't have a lived experience. Um, there's definitely a strong connection that I have with the people I work with. And I think people are drawn to me because they see that I have a, a similar experience to them. I often find that people who sit in front of me have had a very similar experience to me. So um, a lot of women come to me and yeah, the things that they've experienced, I, I have as well. So yeah, it, I feel like it has obviously you know having those experiences helps me to understand people better also I would say only be a positive thing that's for sure um on the flip side of that you'll also having had therapy since you were 16 um in various forms um you would also know what doesn't work and how not to approach things so yeah absolutely and you know I also recognize the importance of you know, the person themselves being at the centre of what's happening and always checking in with them and always it being led by them. If I'm not leading this, they're leading this. This is their life and I'm here to stand next to them. I'm not here 
to tell them what to do and how to do it. I'm here yeah. to provide some support and suggestions and and I acknowledge the individuality of each person and that they're even if we do have similar stories, there's a, always a uniqueness in everyone's experience. And yeah, so that needs to be recognised and respected. It's a bit like Carl Rogers, the famous psychologist, said self-actualization, becoming the best mm. that you can be yourself, and it's different for everybody. Yeah, um, and also, you know, I, I have my ups and downs still, you know. I'm not a cured person. I have my ups and downs, and, you know, that helps me with the people I work with to let them know that, you know, we're human and there's no end point to our journey. It keeps going and we just need to keep, you know, doing what we need to do to get through whatever we're experiencing. That's right. And obviously the global pandemic is adding an extra layer of trauma for all of us, isn't it, really? Mm. Yeah. We're so experienced in dealing with mental health, you know, now that the pandemic's happened, there's people who've never had serious mental health concerns before who are now coming out of the woodworks with these concerns because of the pandemic. And I feel like in a way it's kind of like I know what to do, you know. Yes. I'm not freaking out, you know, because yeah. I've lived this forever. I've always felt like this. I've always felt isolated and scared and anxious and, you know, this is the first time in my life I actually haven't felt like that. So that's the thing for me. I was like, well, this is a natural thing to go into now because this, everybody needs help. Everybody's struggling. So I don't know. For me, I just feel like the pandemic highlighted how resilient we are as people with mental illness because we've been dealing with this in a climate where we've been the minority whereas now so many people have this it's a different sphere now do you know what I mean it sure is and it's interesting to note that whilst demand for mental health services has gone up the suicide rate has actually dropped slightly so that's interesting yeah. in itself is there anything else that you'd like to share with our listeners Sally yeah, I guess I'd like to say that, you know, there's always the possibility for change for the better. And, you know, whenever we feel like we're losing hope and, you know, there's we can't see a way out, like I want people to know that there is and that it's about finding your own path and your own way to where you need to go with your own healing in life. And I think it's important for people, with, especially with mental health conditions, who's, you know, mental health goes up and down to to recognize that how resilient we are and being able to face our challenges and that there is a whole community of people out here you know for each other and um how important it is just to tap into that and I did that and if I hadn't have done that last year I don't know what would have happened you know I tapped into any resource that I could possibly find to find my way and I'm just so grateful for for that and for people like you in my life you know that i this show, you know, all of these sorts of, I see them as resources that we can utilise. And so, yeah. yeah, I just hope that people can, can see that there is, there's always hope and there's always a path. Yes, and that's, all, like, when I do these shows, that's what I'm always searching for because you can go to some very dark places. I've been there myself mm. and I know what you personally have overcome and sharing stories like yours shows our listeners just how much hope there really is. Um, and mm. I love that. It's hopeful. <laughs> yeah, um, it is. <laughs> Sally, thank you so much for updating us on what's been happening in the last couple of years. It's been a lot. You, you're really inspirational and you give us hope that we can over, overcome despite what curveballs lives um, th are thrown in our way. Some are terrible curveballs, but um, you can pull through. It's possible to pull through mm. and that's wonderful. Um, Sally, how can our listeners make contact with you? 
I have a website, it's um, www.sal, which is S-A-L, creativetherapy.com.au. Fantastic, yeah. And um, it's, it's wonderful what you're doing, helping others. Um, so out of such great despair comes immense hope. Thank you, yeah, Sally. Definitely. Thank you so much. Thank you, Susie. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Susie, for organising today's show. And thank you, Sally, for coming on to the show today and sharing about your um, beautiful life and everything that you've been up to in the past little while since we had you on the show. Uh, there'll be more information um, on today's show in our show notes. And um, if you did find anything distressing about today's show, please know that you can call Lifeline on 13114. And uh, we hope that you enjoyed today's show. And if you'd like to find more of our shows, you can on the 3CR website, 3cr.org.au or on Spotify, wherever you happen to download your 3CR podcast. And if you'd like to share a story um, or share, you know, some feedback or suggestions for future shows, we would absolutely love to hear from you. And you can email us at brainwaves at wellways.org. Thanks everyone for listening today. Please stay safe. And we'll be back next Wednesday at 5pm for another episode of Brainwaves on 3CR. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.